Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Dr. Sturette is a movement and mobility coach for players in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus a doctor of physical therapy. Kelly has created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you guided mobility videos. It walks you step-by-step through Kelly's proven techniques to relieve pain, improve range of motion, and improve performance. Try it completely free for two weeks, and if you decide to continue, you can get 10% off for life using the promo code PROJECT10. Hurry up, because the code expires October 1st. Welcome to the Making Pittsburgh Healthy Podcast. You'll hear from the most powerful people in the health industry. The advice, inspiration, and application will rock your world. Let's create the healthiest city in America, naturally. Hey, welcome to another episode. And and today, we got some exciting information. And this may shake you up a little bit. You know, when you talk about powerlifting, you know, you think, wait, come on. We don't want to be powerlifters. This is going to kill our joints, our knees. Well, today we have Chris Fudge. Chris is a personal trainer, strength and conditioning coach who 15 years into the, in the industry, 20,000 hours personal training, including the Canadian's personal trainer of the year multiple times. He's an active member of the Canadian Powerlifting Union community. He's a referee, a meet director, coach, and Team Canada lifter. So he does it himself. And he's going to share some insight on why powerlifting can change your game, why powerlifting can be done by any of us. And this is something interesting because this is not my gig. I don't think I want to powerlift, but I'm going to be quite interested to understand, can I add this to my regimen? Can I add components of this to improve my aspect, my aspect of rugby, my aspect of longevity? Does this improve longevity? Does this reduce knee problems where we have knee replacements and hip replacements all the time? Does this increase or decrease injury as we age? Well, you're going to learn the insight from Chris. He is the professional. So let's sit back, take some notes and enjoy and keep an open mind because this may just change the way you think. All right. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, what you'd like to do for fun besides powerlifting (laughs) and what gets you up in the morning. Absolutely. Uh, first off, thanks for having me on here. I love your podcast. I love everything, the energy that you bring, the message that you bring. So to be able to sit on here and have a conversation with you about me, you is pretty exciting. I am I'm a father of two little boys. I am a personal trainer, and I've been doing that for over 15 years now. I work also as a strength conditioning coach. So I get to see a handful of different people on a daily basis who just want to make their lives better, usually from a health perspective. And one of, one of the greatest aspects I have of that job is I get to spend sometimes three or four hours with a person a week 
a week. So that really allows me to create long-term changes in people. And beyond just the personal training side of it, I eventually got into the sport of powerlifting, which is my, my massive passion now. Over in Canada, I coach powerlifting. I'm a Team Canada athlete myself. I've been to two uh, world championships, one as a coach, two as an athlete, or th three world championships. And uh, powerlifting is just one of those sports for me that it gets me out of the bed every day because it can take someone who, I'm not a big dude, but it can take someone like me, I can lift big weights in the gym, all of a sudden people are like, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, you can do it too, anyone can do it. You know, it's neat, is it? I, and when we show the, if we show some clips, you're not a big guy, you're, you, you think, you know, you think powerlifters, these 260 pound guys, bald with veins popping out of their head and their legs the size of tree trunks. And, you know, you look like a healthy guy, a strong, healthy guy, but you look like a healthy guy. And I, we're going to break that down today is, you know, is this good as we get older? Do we have to be big? Is it going to hurt us? Is it going to hurt our knees? Can women do this? You know, there's a lot of, I think, unanswered questions from our side that when we're not in this powerlifting gig, we don't understand it. It's, huh, I wonder what this is about. And I want to thank you. You have me on your your podcast, the Project Fitness Podcast, one of the top rated Canadian fitness podcast shows. So, and we'll have all these links. And, and when you listen to Chris, you hear a story, you think, I want to learn more about this. This is why we do this. Education is powerful only, I remember hearing this years ago, only if you utilize it. It's always yeah. nice to hear this stuff, but you got to share this information, share this with your friends. And I think we're going to rock some world today. So how when did you get into powerlifting and describe that process? Like where, you know, how do you discover this and really what is powerlifting? So it might be better off if I explain how the average person gets into powerlifting and then how <laughs> I got in because my story is different. Okay. The average person's in the gym lifting weights and they're usually the strongest or one of the stronger people in the gym. People take notice. They eventually come over and they say, what are you training for? And they usually say, I'm training for nothing just to train. And they say, you you should do powerlifting. You look really strong. You're lifting big weights. You'd probably be good at it. So a lot of people will fall into the sport because of that conversation. That didn't happen with me. What happened with me was I was training my current well, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time. I was training her for rugby. So we're training her for rugby, and we're going through a strength phase. And she's a petite woman, and she's bench pressing a plate. And she's moving a plate around, and, and powerlifters in the gym came over to her. And they said, hey, you're pretty strong. You should do powerlifting. So she said to me, she goes, you know, should I do this? I'm like, do you want to? She's like, yeah. I'm like, let's do it. She's like, will you coach me? I said, sure. I've always identified myself as a coach. I've always coached team sports growing up. I was an athlete on team sports. Um, into the personal training world, strength conditioning, I've been a coach. So when someone says, can you coach me? It's a learning process that I would apply to any other aspect. So I said, I'll coach you into powerlifting. And that's how we'll go. So we kept going to competitions, and every competition we went to was a learning opportunity for me. So I said, I want to I want to talk to as many people as I can. I want to figure this stuff out to get better at it for my wife. What had happened was there was one guy at almost every meet, and he kept saying, hey, Chris, when are you going to lift? <laughs> I said, I don't lift, I coach. See him at another meet. Hey, Chris, when are you going to lift? I, I don't lift, I coach. And then eventually he said it to me, and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to try this myself. I went home that night and I registered for a competition and I was like, I almost messed my pants. I was like, oh no, now I need, now I need to get strong. I had to validate myself because I couldn't just talk the talk, I had to walk it. So I trained for a competition and then 
I went to the competition, and you get points based on teams. So we had a team of like seven or eight people. Based on your placing and your weight class determines how many points you can accumulate for your team. Our team accumulated the most points. We won the best team of the competition. I competed in a class with six other guys. I finished last place. I was last place at my very first meet. Now when that happens, there's two roads. One road I could have taken that said, you know what, I'm not very, not very good at this sport. I'm not naturally strong, I can't beat people. I'm just gonna stick to coaching and stay away. The other road said, this is the weakest I'm ever gonna be. And I chose that road, knowing that my plan was to always be better than that very first meet. So what I did was I signed up for every meet I could. I competed 13 times in a year and a half. That's a lot. Oh man. But the purpose was to learn. The internet wasn't bumping. The information wasn't out there. You get a couple books, you got to get by mail, and they come in like eight weeks later because I'm in Canada, right? <laughs> There's no books in Canada on powerlifting. So I went to competitions. I, I talked to people. I look at someone, I'm like, you know, you hold the bar out here. You know, you're 350 pounds. When I hold the bar out here, I feel like falling forward. And then I look at someone who looked like me, and I'm like, you know what? You, you hold the bar here. And then when I went in the gym and I did that, I said, you know what? Your technique works better for me. And I started noticing there's different builds. Different builds hold the bar differently. So then you can start to acclimatize to one technique once you stick with it. And I did that. And then I started seeing those guys that beat me in the first meet. I would go to a competition, they'd be there, and guess what? I'd knock one off. I'd knock the next off. I'd knock the next off. And then sure enough, multiple years later, I won my first national championship. And then I went to the world championships and I, I was lucky enough to compete a few times at the world championships. Wow. And um, that, that, that's my story. That's kind of how I got into it. Different than most people. That's cool. And you know, that story, that's a cool story. You know, you, you finished last. And like you just said, so many people say, you know what, I'll bag this, you know, but if, if you like it, when I did, I tried jujitsu for a month and I was okay at it, but I knew it would take me a good, you know, six months to a year to learn it, but I didn't like it that much. And I thought, eh, I'm, I'm out. And they're like, I think you could be pretty good at this. And I'm like, I don't like it. I'll go back to rugby. You know, I was doing it to, to try to get stronger for rugby. And I'm like, I'll do it a different way. But if you like something too, you know, what you just said there, and it, I'll tell you what, that that's a, that's a, a metaphor for life. Because when you look at life, you go and you, you know, you sign up for college or something, and then you barely get by my first semester in college. I barely, I got a 2.0. I barely survived. And I thought, okay, I did, I did it. And then the next quarter I got like a 2.2. It's the same concept. It's that, okay. I'm, I'm, I, I still competed. You know what though? When you said that you were last in the, in how many, let's say there were 20 people in the event you were last, but you're first in all the people sitting at home, you know, everyone that didn't want to do it, you beat their butts. And that's, I always say on my podcast, man, action players, you've got to be, you got to take action to, to, to not only win, it's, we all win at different levels. So kudos to you. That's awesome. Um, so you, so you, you go through this journey and you learn this process, you know, what, what we see the the powerlifting, the bench, the dead, deadlift and the squat, you know, you look at those three and you think, okay, as you get older, those things hurt the joints because you're lifting heavy weights. They're going to blow out the knees. They're going to blow out your back. They're going to blow your shoulders out, bench pressing, just not good. Explain that because I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking that. And I, and I think this is one of those things that it's like, yeah, I'll use that as my excuse. So then they, they hold on to that, blow that excuse away. 
I would um, I would argue that that powerlifting or strength training in general can be very useful for longevity. You know, we have a lifespan and we have a health span. Lifespan is you know, when, when when's our final day on this planet. Health span is well, how long do I want to live to be disease free? I want to have my own mobility. I don't want to use a walker or some sort of aid. And and I I think that the stronger you are, the better lifespan you're going to have. And let me paint a little picture for you. Have you ever met someone in your practice or in life that was too strong? You know, like they're just too strong. You say, hey, can you open this jar of pickles? And they shatter the pickles. <laughs> or you see them grabbing doors to your clinic and they rip the door off. <laughs> you never meet anyone who's too strong. Right. But I'm sure you've met a lot of people that are weak. Yeah. And it's really hard to live when you're really weak. And I'm not talking like power. I'm talking generally in life yeah. when you don't have any strength. And as we age and sarcopenia kicks in and we start losing muscle mass, when we start to weaken, we start to lose our dependence. Then all of a sudden we're getting support. We're calling our nieces, nephews, and getting our kids to come over to move things that we couldn't do. So a sport like powerlifting or strength training, when done properly, can take that sarcopenia, push it back. It can allow you to maintain healthy muscle mass and be strong with your body. But you already said it, when you do it right, Powerlifting is a sport that has age classes, so they usually go by decade. After 40, it's, it's decades, so 40, 50, 50, 60, they're called master divisions. There is a lot of athletes that still compete in their 40s and up. And the reason why is powerlifting is not a fast sport. It's not a speed sport. As we age from an athletic perspective, our fast twitch muscle fiber tends to, tends to slow down, reduce. We kind of transition more into aerobic stuff. So our, our give or our output is not as high. But when you do powerlifting, you don't have to have, go to a massive range of motion on some exercises. And you don't have to be super powerful because you don't have to be fast. It's slow. So a, a, a good, healthy hip joint, knee joint, ankle joint can do a standard body weight squat and have the hips drop below the thigh. In the sport of powerlifting, we just have to get to just below 90 degrees. Healthy joints should be able to go a lot farther. So powerlifting is kind of like the mid-range. Same with the bench press. Like our shoulders should be able to do these crazy things, same stuff as your eye. Your shoulders should be able to move just like your eye. But bench press is a partial range. And a deadlift, depending on your height or the technique, so like I, I deadlift with a sumo technique, so a wide stance. And when you're in a wider stance position, your back angle is more erect than bent over. And the more bent over you are when you go to do lift, the more you have to use your extensor muscles over your back or your spine. So you could literally just change your technique as you age and say, okay, mm. to save my back, I'm going to go to this. And if you do a sumo deadlift, it's it's mid-range hip extension. The knees are, you know, they're above 90 degrees, the knee angle. So it's not a tremendous range of motion. So you can get away with not being super flexible. What I always coach people, myself, anyone else, is you have to own those ranges first before you load them. If somebody can't do a healthy body weight squat, below parallel, where their ankles flex, they got good dorsiflexion, they got good hip range of motion, they got good thoracic extension in their spine, if they don't have that, I don't put a bar on their back and let them get crunched. That is where you see people, or you probably see people who come in to see you because they get wrecked from maybe strength sports. Mm -hmm. They never had the range of motion prior. So they went in with a limited range of motion, then they overloaded the body too much weight because in their mind to get strong you have to lift heavy all the time 
and you don't. That's the beauty of it. Once you've created strength, all you need to do is tune the nervous system. Mm. Tune the nervous system, you don't got to train heavy all the time. You can back off. You can train the exercise. You can do other movements. You can come back. Because learning to lift heavy is like learning a skill. You and I know, know how to ride a bicycle. We've done it before. We can just step away from it for a long time. If you've gotten strong, to get strong, you got to put some hours in. you got to do some training. you got to do some programming. And then also you create these neurological um, connections. Okay, mm -hmm. this is how I take all of my muscles together to move something. Once you have that, you'll see your progress and strength go like this. In the beginning, when you're trying to learn those techniques, progress is like this. But once right. you've gone to here, you can walk away from a while, come back to the barbell, and then be pretty good. You just gotta do a couple, uh, a couple sessions here and there, and then your body's like, oh yeah, I know how to do that movement. I'll tell you a quick story of how I learned that practically. So I'm a volume guy where I can tolerate a lot of volume. I'm very aerobic. I'm not anaerobic. So aerobic people can tolerate more volume. Anaerobic people, not so much. There's a gentleman in my gym, good friend of mine named Don. Don is an M4 lifter. So Don is uh, early 80s, early 70s. So I'm in the gym one day and Don's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing, I have uh, 13 sets of squats. I said, what are you doing? He goes, four. I said, you're only doing four? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, we got a championship in like three weeks here. Like, shouldn't you be pushing it? He's like, Chris, I only need four. So why? He goes, I've been powerlifting 25 years. He's like, I don't need that much. I need just enough to stimulate my nervous system and my strength just comes back and I'm good to go. And I remember like stepping back and thinking, and this guy's onto something. And I looked into some research. I looked to find some journal articles. There's nothing on that. So guess what I did? I started talking to older lifters and I asked them the same questions. So what does your programming look like when you're getting closer to me? Oh, I don't really, one guy told me, he's like, after a, a competition, he doesn't do any weights for two months. He's like, no barbell. He's like, I don't touch the barbell for two months. I'm like, what? He's like, I don't touch it. He's like, no, 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 I do unilateral stuff. I might just do some aerobic activity, some stretching. He's like, I don't do the power lifts. And I said, so meat comes up, what do you do? He goes, I start slow. He's like, I rarely ever do more than six sets. I'm like, what? He's like, Chris, I've gotten strong. It was the same thing without even knowing each other. He's like, I've gotten strong before. I just need to tune my nervous system for the competition. I thought that was so, so valuable. So I use the exact same concepts with people. I try to find the least amount of stimulus to cause an adaptation. And when someone works with me, it's technique, 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 technique. You've got to have control of your body first, good range of motion, shoulder, hip, ankle, before we load it. And I found a very successful um, rate with that, with minimizing any injuries. Injuries, they're going to happen. You play rugby, they just happen, right? Right. But... When people power up with me, they, they, they don't get in, or it's very, very, very rare that that tends to happen. And usually I'm always combating the office athlete, or they're the office athlete, and they come to the gym and they want to do powerlifting. I'm like, you, you sat at the desk for 14 hours today, your stress is through the roof, everything is tight on you, like you can't even get the bar on your back, we're not going that route. But powerlifting, when done right, can be a very positive and beneficial thing for longevity. And I work with a lot of master age lifters, so I, I've got the experience, I've seen it actually go in um, where they now move better than what they did before because they mm. came from personal training but now they're able to also do powerlifting because we we got them moving well now we stimulate them with the strength stuff and life's a lot better for them so chris let me ask you with the, i mean that concept you just talked about with this 25 years of lifting because i've seen this play out now with me and rugby 
what I could, I, I train a lot, but I don't have to train on my skills in rugby. They're, they're inbreded in me, like the cuts I make and, you know, I'll juke people. And, and even though my body's getting older, I, I can still do things I'm like, this is pretty cool. And I can still kick and my kicking, I'll go out before the game, kick a few kicks and I'm still pretty good at kicking. I can still, you know, kick a 30, 40 meter kick. And I think, wait a second, this is crazy. I don't train that much in this anymore. This almost seems like a universal principle. Have you, since then, have you found any research that would state that if we program our body like this physically, because we, we're training the nerve system, and once that that adaptation response kicks in and our nerve, our neurology is, it's kind of like, like um, I remember hearing a, 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 a analogy of, if you're taking a, a tractor out in the field, so I have a farm. So if I took my tractor out in the field or my cows, they go on a certain path every day, back and forth, back and forth. And there becomes a rut. And that rut is, if you get caught in that rut, it's hard for you to get out of the rut. Our nerve system, if we lay that groundwork early enough and we do it repetitively enough later on in life, and I'm curious, I, I haven't looked into this either. Let's say we, we started training when we're in our thirties and we get to 60 and we don't have to, we don't have to work out in the gym five days a week, six days a week. You don't have to work out for an hour. It could be a 15 minute stimulus, but it will keep, keep us healthy. We may not be able to compete like we did years ago, but we can stay healthy that way. Have you seen research that, that, that backs that up since then? You, you could follow research that talks about recovery rates and the fact that, you know, once you get, you know, 40 plus, your recovery rate is going to slow down from a nervous system adaptation. So if recovery rate is going to be slower, then you obviously can't tolerate as much of the same style of training. I always say to anyone is between the ages of, you know, 16 and 24, that is that is an eight-year legal steroid cycle. <laughs> Pretty much on steroids yeah. because you can do anything to your body and recover from it. Yeah. And it depends on your starting health, your genetics, where you're from, mom and dad, all that. It might be at age 24 you don't recover as well, and then might something like the 26, you might be 20. But eventually, once you start not recovering as fast, then you got to change the stimulus that you're doing in the training. You can't overdo it. You can't overdo it. But when we learn new skills, your body lays down like myelin. Mm -hmm. So myelin sheaths over top of the nerves. That is how we get, you know, ambidextrous. That is how we play piano. But those skills, they get laid down. There is a neurological component. And once it's there, it's hard to remove it. You can affect it differently. So if, if sleep becomes compromised as we age and we're doing less and less sleep, then our speed or our timing to get into some of those motions is going to be delayed, and that's been proven multiple times with a lot of different research. So if you're in the gym and I want you to do a barbell um, back squat, and you've got these five things on your checklist, okay, I gotta do this, 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 this. If you get in the gym and maybe you are fatigued, doesn't matter your age. If you're just tired, you didn't sleep, you might forget one of those things, or your ability to okay, when the bar goes here, I'm supposed to counter by doing that your reaction time might be slowed down. Some teams in the NBA, they have their athletes sign contracts that actually has them adhere to sleep principles and protocols. Because if they don't, the research has showed that they can be 30% less reactive. Mm -hmm. And if they're not gonna follow the sleep protocol, you know, they're gonna say, here's your penalty, here's your suspension, whatever it is, unless you're the guys making you know, 20 plus mil a year, everyone else has to follow the rules except for them. But I mean, you know, small things like that do show up. But as for specific research of adaptation and, and, and uh, an age, I haven't stumbled upon anything. I wonder you know, if I and I bet we're going to see it because, I mean, the, the, this world of health 
and anti-aging and, and doing natural things besides drugs and surgery, it's changing and it's moving at record speed. I mean, the stuff that we're seeing, uh, you know, invented with sleep aids and apps on our phone and heart rate monitors and breathing and the fitness world itself. I mean, you're in this world, man, it is moving at every angle and every direction. And I love it because it's giving more people different opportunities. People always ask me, they're like, well, you, you love working out, you know, cause I, I work out. I'm always consistent. I never miss. And they're like, you love working. I said, I don't love working out. I love how I feel afterwards. And I love how, how I can climb a flight of stairs or play wiffle ball and still crank it over my kid's head and run around the bases and jump over the ball when they whip it. That's what I love. And I love looking in their face and saying, I just whooped your butt. That's what I love. But going in the gym and, and whipping my ropes and doing pull-ups and, and ab crunches in the air and upside down hangs, not fun. But it's it's the result afterwards. Um, I, I think we're going to – Like with, with my two kids, like I've even told my wife, I said, the goal now has changed in life. The goal is now to be better than my kids as long as I can. That's it. If it's push-ups, if it's running, if it's lifting something heavy – I just say like my goal is just to whatever they get to, I just want to be able to beat it. So we'll see how long I can, I so can keep that up. How old are your kids? Four and six. So, so okay. far I'm winning. <laughs> so, so here's, here's what I did. I did the same thing when, when my kids were young, I said, okay, I'm going to outdo them in sports besides like a specialty thing, like gymnastics or something, you know, but I'm going to outdo them and I'm going to run, run faster, sprint longer, run longer. I'm going to beat them as everything I could. And I had five kids and my last son, he just turned 17 yesterday. He, I had four girls and a boy. So the four girls, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll live, I'll lift them. I can outdo it. But you know, specialty moves in the, and then my, my daughter started catching me running, but she didn't peak until she was about 17, 18. My goal was to beat them all until they're at least 16. So my son at 16, he was, he was starting out do me in running. He was out, he's a long distance runner now and he can just whoop my butt. I, I can't keep up with him for 50 feet now, but lifting in calisthenics and pull-ups and stuff like that agility so i still have them sprints you know so i'm like i did it so now my goal is okay i just want to stay in the game so that's a great goal and everyone out there listening you, you when you put when you put that you know i put it out there i said and if you if you hold that goal and you stay quiet nobody knows you can hide it under the rug but if you mm -hmm. publicly do what Chris just did on our podcast, it's going to go worldwide. <laughs> it's it's out there. He can't. And if he's a compete, uh, if he's a competitive, which I know you are, you're not. You're going to do it because that's the same thing I was. I'm like I'm doing. It. And everyone can do this. You know, you can set a goal and say, you know what, I'm going to at least be able to jog a mile with my kids when they're you know up to 16 or 20, or I'm going to be able to take them to Disney when I'm 80 years old or my grandkids. It's setting those goals that then you go, okay, how am I going to get there? Well, you got to go work out. So with, with power, I mean, that kind of comes back to what you were saying in the beginning about, you know, power lift, like why power lifting and, and how I believe that is, that is an avenue to right. a better life. You know, power lifting itself is a sport and it's competition and stuff, but it's literally one of those things that the reward is there if you put in the effort, right? So you can always measure it. It's not subjective. It's black and white. Did you lift it or did you not lift it? Why didn't you lift it? Did you put the, the time in? Did you put the effort in, the right effort? Because you get a lot of feedback. If something doesn't work, we realize it very quickly. And then we feel re realize what does work. Then it's like, here's the work. If you do it, you get the reward. If you don't do it, you don't. And that is a metaphor for life. Right. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you, exercise, I, it, it parallels with life all along. I mean, the competition, strengthening yourself, mental strength, pushing through pain to get something benefit, that's that's college, that's learning, that's a job. It, it parallels in everything. That's a family, raising your, your kids. There's going to be times you don't sleep all night, but you got to get up and go to work. You can't cry. I mean, you, you yeah. get people waiting for you, you know. So let me ask you, are there, is this for everyone? Can can every person benefit from some types of power lifting in their regimen? Like, you know, here's the, the people doing yoga and they like yoga, calm, stretching, positional holds and some yoga position, that's tough stuff. Could they benefit? How about the the older lady that, you know, she's never been to the gym and she wants to get strong so she doesn't develop osteoporosis to stay out of a nursing home or a wheelchair or walker. You know, can this benefit everyone? And and if it is, where would a starting point be? Yeah, I think uh, barbell training and powerlifting can benefit just about everyone if you if you tune it the right way. So if you take your um, if you take your yogi, there's the example there. Let's take someone who's really good at yogi. Someone who's really good. They've been doing it. They, they teach it for years. They've created hypermobility. Well, you know, nature's not dumb. Nature gave everybody mobility and stability. So you're flexible and, and you're a bit stiff. And it's got to be tuned to whatever you're doing. So in life, in sport, sometimes you have to be a little more stiff. And that's like powerlifting. And sometimes you have to be a little bit more mobile. That's like yoga. A lot of yoga people you will meet, they will tell you, that they sometimes get these twingy sensations. They're like, oh, I just got this twingy thing in my low back. When I do this crazy back bend, it goes away. But then it comes back. And you know this because you, you deal with spines. They may have some hypermobility, right? They may have hypermobility mm-hmm. in a couple sections of their spine. So what could they benefit from? Stabilizing it. What's a great way to stabilize it? Lift something heavy. If you don't stabilize it, mm. it shows you right off the bat. So if you learn how to create proximal stiffness, proximal stability, you get distal mobility. So there's a benefit there for an example like a yoga person. Let's take the other person we talked about, someone who doesn't want to go into a home. They want to prevent osteoarthritis, uh, osteoporosis. Um, they, they want to be a little bit stiffer and stronger. The good news is when you're when you're frail and when you're, you're, you're quite weak, you don't have to do a lot to get stronger. You just need to create a little bit of stimulus. So a stimulus for someone like for, for bone mineral density could be something as simple as lying on your back, holding a barbell, holding a barbell for isometric holds, not doing a rep, just starting off here, holding it. The body adapts. If you fuel it properly, rest it properly, your bone mineral density will increase. Then you get good at that. Then you can start adding range of motion. So if someone wants to prevent going into a home, easy way to do that is maintain your strength or increase your strength. A lot of times I've dealt with people over the years who have, um, they have uh, coordination issues. They have no balance. So they come into the gym and you know they're not very comfortable with that. They may have a walker. They may have a cane. They might always want to have some sort of stability or something when they're exercising. And then they'll say, yeah, you know, I was referred to you by this uh, person here. My doctor said I need to increase my, my balance. They said I should be doing a BOSU ball exercise. I'm like, you can't stand on two feet. We're going to put you on an unstable surface. Probably not the best idea. Let's get you able to stand on two feet first. Let's get you strong with what you have now. Then maybe progress. Because I've never met someone who was strong and didn't have balance. Mm. Think about that. People have jet, like football players, like I've seen football players in the water and they look like they're, um, 
what do they call the uh, uh, synchronized divers and stuff. <laughs> they can go upside down on their toes. Like I've seen football players in the water, and I'm like, how's that big guy move so well? Well, he's strong. He's got strength. He can control his body. So strength has a lot of benefits that way. Where powerlifting may not be for someone is when someone has got some form of uh, compression fractures, compression injuries through the spine. And they may have um, herniated discs. They may have end plate fractures. A go-to would not be to then load the spine. The go-to would be, hey, go see Dr. Aaron. You're going to do your trick. Get them back up before. But for the majority of people, I think anyone can do it. And where to start is you usually want to you know, search out someone that's got some experience there. And then also just look at their track record. You can get strong really quick with like a one-trick pony move. So the body adapts when it comes to strength, three phases and different speeds. So the first thing is your nervous system is the first thing to adapt. So I can get you a little bit stronger in your first two weeks of training. Where if you think about it, someone goes to the gym, they've never gone to the gym before, they do seated row, they can do 20 pounds on the seated row on Monday. They come in on Wednesday, they can do 25. They come in on Friday, they can do 30. You've just increased their, their strength by 50%. Are you the world's greatest strength coach? No. <laughs> That's a neurological adaptation. They had the strength, they just couldn't coordinate it, couldn't control it. So the nervous system is the first thing to adapt. The second thing to adapt is gonna be your muscular system. So that's hypertrophy, putting on muscle. How does that happen? That comes with repetitions, pushing the tissue to fatigue, getting some mechanical tension in the tissue, recovering with sleep, hydration, and good nutrition. Then the muscles will grow. The third thing that adapts on the body is connective tissue. Connective tissue. Connective tissue takes a long time. So a way to get into the sport to not get injured is go slow. Take your time. People get in and they go too fast, too soon. I've done different presentations at conferences before and I call it um, too strong, too fast. And everyone's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you got too strong, too fast, and that's why you got hurt. And I'll say, what was training like? Oh, I was getting PRs every week, every week, every week, every week. And then all of a sudden, I got hurt in the gym. Something popped when I went down. Well, yeah, their nervous system kept getting revved up, revved up, revved up. They got all the PRs from the nervous system. Maybe they put on a little bit of muscle, but the connective tissues have not adapted. They mm. need time to adapt. And when connective tissues adapt and they get a little stronger, they get a little stiffer too. So it's always that balance between two things. Like I said before, with the yoga instructor comes in, they're hypermobile. They're getting a little more stability. Someone comes in who is very stiff. You might need to mobilize the tissues first before you start loading it. So you just got to work with a, a professional who may have worked with someone someone like the person coming in and trying to get strong anyway, and then start from there. Well, I'll tell you, there's, there's a lot of trainers out there now that are incredible what they're doing. This is not old school trainers where you go to the gym. I was a trainer way back, you know, just because I understood fitness and I got put in the gym and I had to work with people. That's not the way it is. I mean, you guys have so much knowledge on advanced technique, like just what you explained, how the nerve system, muscle, and then connective tissue. That's that's not a gym rat. It's not you're going in or saying, okay, just put the weight on, chalk up and lift. So, you know, and that's something that that if you're starting this, you, you want to do this correctly because if you do get injured or hurt, most people say, well, it just wasn't for me. And they quit. And then you'll end up a victim in a wheelchair with a diaper on drooling going, how the heck did I get here? You didn't follow our advice, so don't blame it on us. So let me ask you this, with those three adaptation phase, do you have a, is there a certain time or a time, you know, um, 
and I, I know everyone would be different, but if somebody's starting this going, okay, well then how long, when they first start to get their nerve system going, can they start to see muscle change? So then they know that they're not going to get injured. So they don't push it. Is there a time zone to this? Like four weeks, easy, another four weeks and four weeks, or is it stretched out in months and years? How does that, how does that lay out? You know, if I work with someone for maybe uh, three sessions, I can then ballpark pretty well when you're going to PR on one of the three lifts or all three lifts. And what I found in my experience and my, my training over the years is the athletes adapt fastest. So someone who has good body coordination, body awareness, someone who has had minimal to no injuries, someone who is young and very healthy, they will adapt the fastest. Hands down, I can almost I can have them come to the gym. Let me see you do a body weight squat. Okay, perfect squat. Okay, this is how you do it with a bar. You put a bar here, here, here. You breathe like this. You go down. You give it to them, and they they nail it right off the bat. And you're like, okay, this person here is going to progress at a very fast rate. Take a different client. Take someone who might be in their mid 40s. They exercise in their 20s. They took 15 years off to raise their family. They're coming back in the gym. They're maybe 10 to 15 pounds overweight. They got a little bit of back stiffness. It's like, hey, let me see you do body weight squat. Oh, you can't do that. That's where we got to start. So we might work on getting a bodyweight squat, and that might take two weeks, might take four weeks. Then we progress to the barbell. So the speed of adaptation is going to be different, but from my experience, your athletes are going to be fastest. Your people with good body coordination, body awareness, people who are healthy, disease-free, injury-free, and people who are young. And then you can even look at outside stresses as well, because outside stresses play a massive role mm. in strength. So an example is if you have a high stress day, your grip strength, I'm sure you've, you've done this before. That's a simple one we always have is when we used to shake hands. <laughs> I, would, I would say to, you know, pre-COVID days, my clients come in. I'll be like, hey, how you doing? Give me, give me a shake. Give me a good one. Give me a good one. And when someone will give me like a weak handshake, and you know, I, I get pretty close with, I've had clients been with me nine years, right? So I know them. When I get a weak handshake from so-and-so, I'll say, how was your day today? Oh, Chris, let me tell you, this was a crazy day today. We had this, we had this. And right away, what I'm listening and hearing, massive stress, cortisol through the roof, stress hormone, stress hormone. They were living in sympathetic. So what does that do to connective tissues like fascia? It stiffens it up. Mm -hmm. So they're coming in tight. They're coming in. Their mindset is all on whatever else is going on in the day. Their cortisol levels are through the roof. Their ability to generate power is automatically reduced. I have a program. Today we're supposed to do... Four sets of four at 85% of your max. You know what I do? <sighs> Chuck it out the window. We're not doing that today. It's not possible. The ability for the client to then do that workout, it's not happening. The chances are dramatically reduced. So what I will do in that scenario is I'll either reduce the weights. right? Off, like I might just say, okay, we're going to do a four by four at 70% today. And our focus is moving it well. If it's a high complex move and I know that they're not very focused, I might not even do the powerlifting workout for the day. I might do more parasympathetic stuff. I might focus on breath work. I might focus on mobilizing the joints, especially the low back and the thoracic if they're tightened up from their day. So I might just change on the fly. An audible has to be called. And that's the difference between, you know, you know getting injured and surviving so you can do the powerlifting workout two days later. And I found that very successful when I work with people. You know, and, that, and that's, that's spoken from a professional because many people, you know, they go in, they're stressed out. They think, I just need a good workout. I need to just hit these weights hard. 
And when muscles are contracted already, stress hormones are through the roof, your body's not ready. Like you said, you're going to get injured. And if that continues to happen, that's what, you know, takes people out of the game. And then they tap out and say, well, I guess I'm just going to ride my bike at home for 20 minutes, or I just have to, I hear this. I just got to stretch. <laughs> I said, I laugh. I'm like, you, we're not Gumby. You don't have to stretch. I, I, and I, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I don't like stretching. I hate stretching. I do it in my workouts. I do it when I do push-ups and I do pull-ups and I do my, my barbell stuff and my dips. I do deep workouts controlled. I get my stretch in that way. And I, I can honestly say I rarely have been injured through my, I've been lifting weights since I was 16 and those old plastic weights with cement in them, you know, those, those, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and that's so critical because we're in a stressed out society. Exercise is so critical to, to uh, enable healing and restoration in mind and, and mental clarity. Yet we've got to be careful doing it. That's where, you know, I would encourage, you know, see a professional at first, at least to get started. If you're going to do this at home or do it, at least get, get some training. So you understand, because if you don't lay that groundwork first, and I'm sure you agree, it could ruin your, your time in the gym and really discourage you. And, and what's left with you're left weak, frail, injured and sick and, and dying early. You don't want that. So the, the effort and time and the, and the money you spend on preparing is an investment in your health. Don't ever look at your body and your health as a, as a, as a debt, you know, to pay, I got to pay this. I got to buy new running shoes. It's like, you're investing in your health, man. <laughs> like what's that worth? 20 grand on a roof. Oh. They don't want water to come in, but when you're like, hey, you only, you only get one body. You can get all the roots you want. You only get they, one body. A $500 watch. I'm like, $500? Go put it. Your your watch, you look bad, man. You, you look solid. $500 watch, but doesn't take a multivitamin. <laughs> I, I told a guy the other day, he was worried. He goes, I just bought something for my home. And he does a lot of business. He's at his desk a lot. And you talk about contraction of muscles sitting at a desk. We're all the wrong way. And he says, I sit and I said, and he's married. They're, they're been married a couple of years. And I, I said, look, I said, you better hit the gym. I said, you don't want to be soft, man. He laughed. He goes, I already am. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything. I said, but women don't like a soft guy. You better work. it. <laughs> I'll retract a little bit here. I'd like to throw a little bit of a curveball into what you were saying. So um, before about like you come into the gym and you're all stressed out, powerlifting is different than fitness. Powerlifting causes a tremendous amount of stress on connective tissues. When connective tissues are already restricted, mm. you're pushing the tolerance. Now, let's say, for example, you came into the gym to see me under one of those days, high stress days. Let's say we were training for powerlifting. You wanted to do a meet in 12 weeks. You come in, you're like, oh man, a crazy day at work, blah, blah, all these things happen. You're telling me, and uh, the same scenario, high cortisol, high stress, contractile tissue and stuff. But you're a healthy man. And I know exactly what you need. You need some aerobic output. You need to get your heart rate up. You need to get muscular pumps. So high reps, low weight with breath. What that's going to do is as soon as the session is over, you're going to get endorphins, oxytocin. You're going to get dopamine. You're going to get serotonin. You're going to get all those hormones. They're going to counter all your stress hormones for the day. If I gave you the barbell, the heavy lifts, the chance of your injury is going to be higher than normal. And if it's 1% higher than normal, I don't want that session but if you're a healthy guy already 
I can just tune the session to your ability. And that's what I think is a, a key component with, you know, working as a fitness professional is I got many hats, man. And I got to know the people I'm working with the day of. And when they come in, I can switch hats. I can go from strength coach, powerlifter coach to personal trainer, to aerobic conditioning, to mobilizing joints. I know you mentioned about stretching, but we might just do some joint work. If someone comes in, they're like, my neck hurts. We might just do some stuff at the joint. But it's got to be the right hat, the right tool for the moment for the person. Yeah, that's so important. It's funny. I just finished my last rugby match Saturday and you talk about endorphin rush, man. I, I, I come off the pitch and I'm, I'm just like, I feel like a little kid and then the soreness sets in <laughs> and that all happens. But the next more Sunday morning is a ritual. Uh, I get up I, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take two weeks. I'm just going to do some really light movement stuff. I'm going to just, um, just get some, some basic stretching just through lightweight and bands take it easy. I'm going to give my body a rest. It's, it's crazy. I've never taken two months off. I I shift it like this is the season until summer, until we play sevens that I'll just, I'll ease up a little bit. I'll do a little bit more running and then I'll get into some sprinting. And then summer is a quick training. So I go seasonal. And I think that's important too, is, you know, every season doesn't have to be the same. And like what you're saying is every season, every day in the gym doesn't have to be the same different moods. You know, when you're in a, I know when I'm in a power mood, I know when like in, in the wintertime, I, I, I feel like, okay, now's the time to gain strength. My bench press goes up. I get it up to about 250. I like what I did was in my twenties. And then I'm, I, I did some shoulder presses at 70 this year. And I'm like, this feels really good. And soon as rugby training comes in, that's all gone. I could care less to bench even 180 pounds. doesn't matter. I'm yeah. into, okay, now I need to train. And what, what do you, what do you think, is one of the big misconceptions out there in either fitness or powerlifting. You know, there's a there's a lot of I think mistakes and people getting off track. Where where do you see? Is there something out there that's being said or being told that is just not right that we need to we need to change the way we're thinking? Well, it depends on how much time you've got. Um, <laughs> well, take a I'll, take I'll a big a, one. <laughs> yeah, I'll see a couple of simple ones. You and I were talking before we got on here about uh, just the stigma of powerlifting, and your standard powerlifter you would think of is going to be, you know, a very large, bald man, um, lots of muscles, maybe like three hundred pounds. They get out of breath walking up a flight of stairs, right? They make jokes like, "I don't, you know, five reps is cardio." Um, they're like, <laughs> all like, like anaerobic, like steroid up or something like. That's a stereotype of the sport. What people aren't aware of is there's weight classes. There's weight classes in the sport, right? So the weight classes can be as low as 47 kilos, okay? And the weight classes have an unlimited number, 125 kilo plus if you're over 275. But guess what? The big boys compete with the big boys. The big girls compete with the big girls. Little people compete with little people. So because there's age classes, you're competing against people your own size, so you don't have to be this monstrously large individual to lift weights because you're only competing against you know your same size. And at the World Championship, when you look at the World Championship, men and women's division, there's seven divisions on each side. When you look at the gold medalists, the world champions of every weight class, except for maybe the super heavyweights and maybe one of the heavyweights, the majority of them, they're jacked. They're full of muscles and they're lean. They are healthy. They look like off-season bodybuilders, mm. right? And they move tremendous amounts of weight. So the stereotype of powerlifting from maybe the days of the 70s, which is when you would see a lot more large individuals, 
that that's not the thing anymore. The size yeah. is you're in your own. There's more weight classes now. Before there used to only be like four, uh, but now there's so much more weight classes. You can stay in your class, and then the athletic look is actually what's winning. And you're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of bodybuilders, rugby players, ex-football players. They, they come into the sport and they they do quite well because they've got a background in strength training already. They've got some good muscle mass on them, and now they just need to steer it towards three exercises. Hmm. I, I think too, you know, if, when you find something that you like, and, and this is probably why you're still doing it, is you found that competition and it stimulated you, it, it excited you, and it's like, you know what, I, this is kind of cool. And and once you start tapping into that, it's like a. I, I always laugh. I say I think back in 1987 when I first watched rugby and I I bought my first pair of spikes. I felt like somebody injected me with some rugby serum and it got stuck inside my brain and bloodstream. I can't get out of it. I can't get it out. And I'm like, this is crazy, but I, I love it. It keeps me alive. And that's a good, that's a good one because you know, it, it is this, the stereotype of, and, and I think people in the gym, I think that's changed a lot over the years and it's changing more and more, but you know, the people in the gym, the meatheads are just in their pounding weight and they get bigger and bigger. And if they are, muscular they're on steroids if they're big power lifters they got a big belly and they're massive so yeah it, it's it's become it's a fitness this is a, this is a sport and this is and I, I i look at this and think if we can use this to improve our body for life this is this sport is going to carry my my competitive side in living to the highest level so my my tra- my training in r- rugby is just what I do for fun on the side. It's it's what prepares me to be able to train and play on the field with these young twenty and thirty year olds. And and you know, the, the last weekend when I looked across the, the the field, my my components that were lined up against us, they're like twenty five and they're jacked. They're like two hundred and ten pounds. I'm one hundred and seventy. I'm like and they're twenty five years old. I'm like oh god, this is gonna be a long day. I just outsmart them. I said I can't out hit them. I'm not going to outrun them, but I'm going to outsmart them. And I did. I, we did pretty good. And I, I walked off the pitch without any blood leaving my body or anything else. I, I, that was success. But, you know, you, we're training. It gives you purpose, right? It gives you something to train for. Yes, yes. And that's one of the beauties of, of a sport like that or a sport in general. I do, I do coach a handful of people who do powerlifting. When they said it to me, they're like, it keeps me from not getting overweight because they have to lift in a weight class. And I say, you could just go up to the next weight class. Like, I don't want to get smoked by everyone, so I'll just stay (laughs) in the weight class I'm competitive in, and I'll sign up for three competitions a year. And because I sign up for three competitions a year, it's gonna keep my body composition in control. Yeah. And and back to what you were saying about, you know, drive and purpose. I've competed in six weight classes, and I've competed in 68 competitions. Wow. And I'm only 36. I want to be, I want to hit a hundred meets. I want to compete a hundred times. That's wow. a number in my head. I thought that would be pretty cool. That is. Like, hey, I competed a hundred times and maybe my hundredth meet, I'm actually better than my 99th or my 55th. Yeah. And that's something pretty cool for me. How, how about the mental side? You know, cause I think this is something that is overlooked when people aren't in, in this and doing this is when I lift weights and, and after I'm done and I put on a shirt and I go to work, I usually wear like these polo sports shirts because I feel fit in them. I feel strong and muscular. I see myself way bigger than I am. My kids always laugh. They're like, 
that you're not that big. I'm like, I don't care. It's what I think. It's and what I think makes me feel the mental side of that. When I feel strong and I feel agile and move and I can, and I can, you know, go on my farm and do stuff, man, I feel powerful. Tap in on that. I, I think this is so, and you don't have to lift a lot of weight to get this mental stimulation. And this carries over into all parts of your life, decreases depression, anxiety. How much of that do you think this plays a a role? The mental positivity is gained from powerlifting. It it shows up in confidence. You said you feel feel more confident, you know, in a certain shirt. You put the shirt on, you feel bigger, right? When people put on a singlet and a belt and a wrist wrap or chalk or whatever, Mm -hmm. they automatically jump into sport mode. Yeah. There's a great book called um, uh, The Alter Ego. And the author of The Alter Ego, he talks about, you know, there's certain things that he'll wear or put on to change his personality and his persona. And Martin Luther King did the exact same things. He didn't he didn't wear glasses. He didn't need them, right? But when he gave his speech, what's he wearing? Glasses. Because when he put on his glasses, he felt he was someone different, someone more, right? Bo Jackson pretended that when he would play football and play baseball, he thought he was Jason Vortis from uh, those Halloween movies. And he said, I pretend I'm Jason because Jason has no emotion. And he used to get penalties all the time. He would knock someone over, mouth off at them, get a penalty. And he said, I have to stop having an emotion uh, attachment to the sport. So he said, when I play football, I am Jason Vortis. So when he (laughs) smokes someone or someone hits him, he doesn't respond because there's no emotion. When you do powerlifting, if you're on a platform in front of people, you feel different. Everybody's looking at you. But the, the reality is it could be 100 people in the room watching competition. The reality is probably only five people that are there for you, right? Only five. Good. But you don't know. You see 100 people. You're like, these people want to watch me lift. I'm going to go to the depths I never thought I could, and I'm going to do something. I never PR in the gym. I always PR on the platform because when I'm on the platform, you get the energy of the room. People are pumping you up and stuff, and you, you can quit. You can fail on your own. It's not that embarrassing. You don't feel so bad if I missed the lift. But when you're going down, and squat's my favorite analogy because it's life. If there's something on your back pushing you down, uh-huh. you've got to push against it, right? A deadlift you can drop. So you're pushing up, and all of a sudden you start to hit the wall, the sticking point. And you're like, oh, no, I don't know if I could do this. Then all of a sudden you're 100, 200 people going, push, push, push. All of a sudden you tap into something you never had before, and you lift it. <laughs> when you walk off the platform, you're like, Wow, I didn't think I could do that. I just did that. So if I can do that, I can do so many other things in life. Confidence is curated from barbell training. And in the sport, we are seeing about a 50-50 split of male and females now. When I started, Mm. you'd have a competition of 50 athletes, you'd have two girls. That's it. There was not a lot of females. And females weren't even at the international level until about 30 years after the sport existed. Wow. So now you're seeing a 50-50. And what is cool in fitness now for girls? Putting on a little bit of thickness. It's cool now to be thick, right? To have some big legs, you know, to be strong. That's now cool. Well, it's confidence. Yeah. They will never be that, that a lot of girls out there will not be that model stick figure. Genetically, yeah. they just don't have it. So how are you going to feel confident? Own your body. You got big legs? Use them. Make them strong, right? You got big shoulders? Use them. Bend some weight. So all of a sudden... These women, I'm seeing a lot more women than men, they're walking around with a different strut because they know that they can do something exceptional with their body. And, you know, that's that's how they were made. 
Yeah, there's such a body chemistry and in, in hormones and endorphins that happen when you're in fitness mode, when you're in training mode. And I agree with you. When I'm on the on the pitch playing a playing a rugby match and my family's there or people are watching, whew, man, I'm I want to do some crazy stuff. And I'll I like this past weekend, I made this cut, cut between a couple guys, did a little grub kick. And it was coming up and a guy was going to get it. And I kicked it again and got it down to about the 10 meter line. And I'm huffing and puffing. The guy picks it up. I tackle him and I look back and nobody's with me. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, man, I just, I asked my, my family, I said, did you see that kick? I said, how was it? I, we almost scored on that. They're like, yeah, it was pretty good, but nobody was with you. I just, I love that little pat on the back, that little, man, that was pretty cool, dad. I'm like, yes. And that keeps me going. And, and that, that carries over into just everything in life. I, I, I love that because I want to be strong for my family. I want to be strong for my community, strong for my patients, an example. And at the end of this life, when we get there and we say, you know what? Damn, man, I did all right. That was pretty cool. And I motivated people. So as, as we kind of come closing up on this, Chris, what, um, what advice or what, is there any words of motivation? People sitting there and they're on the fence. They're thinking, I don't know. Do I really want to start lifting? Do I want to go to the gym? Do I want to hire a trainer? What do you do to, to convince them to say, look, you've got to do this? Uh, well, I guess what I would say to anyone who's thinking about um, hiring a trainer, first off, you know, it's investment in your health, right? Like we talked about earlier. Um, it's, it's not too often you can put down money, expect a specific result, you're required to do it, but then you can you can get it. So one of the, I think the closest thing that I can, I can offer humanity to being a superhero is giving people years on their life. So as a personal trainer, I take a lot of pride in saying, hey, you are now no longer on high blood med- medication or blood pressure medication. You are not on cholesterol medication. You are down 40 pounds. You are in a healthy range. You're not in a range where you're at risk for disease. So we can ballpark that you may have just gained 10 years on your life, right? We'll mm-hmm. never know for sure. But statistically, I can say, hey, people's BMI, they live to here. People with BMI, they live to here. You're now in the healthy zone. So from a fitness perspective, someone's thinking about getting healthy. There's no right time to do it. When people think I should get healthy and then get a trainer, why do you need a trainer then? You're healthy. You're good. <laughs> you're done. Mm-hmm. Move on. Mm-hmm. It's If you're unhealthy, you're not happy where you are. You want to have a longer health span to assist with your lifespan. Getting healthy with professional help is the way to go. If somebody wants to get into powerlifting and they want to get strong, first thing I'd recommend them do is is, is just you know research, take a look of who's available for you. Understand that there is a component of fitness involved prior. If you don't move well and you jump right to the barbell, you're going to have a high risk. If you move well, you jump to the barbell, you're going to be good. And then also go into it knowing that when you do it right, it is so fulfilling because you can almost get stronger every few weeks with different variations of the lift or the lift itself, especially as a newbie. As a newbie, because that nervous system is what's adapting, is you're going to see strength go like this once you've got good technique learned um, early on in the beginning, and it becomes addictive. It becomes, I have clients be like, well, we PR, you know, six weeks in a row. thought we were going to PR this week. And I'm like, sometimes you got to take a break. We're going to release. But yeah, that would be some, some advice I'd give people. And, and there's there's a lot of gyms. There's a lot of people out there that are willing to help. And Chris, we'll have all your you know information. They can follow you on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and get in touch with you. Have questions? Follow Chris's podcast called Project Fitness Podcast. 
you know, make sure in these things, subscribe to these things, get, start downloading it into your head, hear this. When you hear it often enough, then it starts to become part of, man, this, I've heard this a lot. I think I should go lift weights. <laughs> it just becomes part. But if nobody around you is talking about lifting weights, it's the tendency for you to do it. It's swimming upstream, get around like-minded people. And if you want to be healthy, turn off the radio, put on a podcast. That's why you're listening to this. But the next step is action. You can't, you can't lift weights by, by thinking about it, by listening to the podcast, you got to put on your shorts, put on your tank top, go in the gym and start and just start, you know, it's I've got, it's, I've got simple hacks for that too, you know, for the action part. So on the podcast, I, I have two versions of the podcast. I have two episodes every week. I have an interview episode, right? I, I take experts on like yourself. You're actually on Monday. Um, so the one that you and I did, you're the expert, the Cairo guy. So you get to tell your speech. They usually be 45 to 60 minute sessions. So people can listen. Oh, I want to know what the Cairo, I want to know what, you know, the Jack Fit Cairo says, right? So they can listen to you. Then once a week, I offer these 10 minute, 10 minute hacks, 10 minute, how to improve sleep, 10 minute, how to meal prep, 10 minute, how to warm up. So for 10 minutes, you can listen to one of those episodes and it's got a simple tip or two. And they're great for when you're driving to the gym. They're great when you're on the treadmill warming up. It's a quick little hack or something. And I've been very blessed that I've been surrounded by a lot of really good people over the years. I've taken a lot of courses, a lot of mentorships, and I've learned from a lot of really good people. So I've curated kind of all that information, put it in these 10 minute how-tos, and then I get the other experts like yourself to come on the Mondays and do a longer episode, a little bit more detail. That's awesome. And, and that's the only way to grow is you just keep learning and keep hacking. You try things and not everything works, you know, for, for our personality, or our lifestyle. But you try and say, ah, we'll move on to the next thing. Like me and jujitsu. I tried it. I gave it a month and I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. I don't like rolling around with guys putting, trying to get choked out and trying to choke them. I'm like, ah, I'll go out in the rugby pitch. And people look at me and go, you're crazy. You're, you're running around with 25 year olds. You hit them, right? I said, yeah, it's like I hit a them. longer, it's like a longer jujitsu session. What are you talking about? It's pretty <laughs> aggressive. It is, but it's, it's my game. It's me. So I, I know how to do it. Jujitsu. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was getting killed. So Chris, I appreciate you being on the show. I, I think this is a, an area in our life that uh, fitness, I, you know, I started my health and physical education degree teaching, you know, many moons ago. And, you know, when I got into chiropractic, I thought, oh man, I, I wasted those four years, but that, that level of understanding fitness and movement was groundwork. And man, I thank God every day that I, I have that. And I've applied that over the years. And what you're doing is kudos to you. You know, we're changing this world. People are listening and making changes. And like you said, changing lives. It's all about, you know, getting off drugs, getting away from surgeries, improving quality of life. My dad died at age 50 of heart failure. We didn't have a father anymore. And man, I don't want that for my life. And we, and we, and, and, and I haven't, and we can do this in people's lives. You just have to take action. So Chris, thanks for being on the show. Um, this was fun. I could talk to you forever and uh, ha keep Canada going, man. I, I want to see you on the, on the, uh, on the training cycle, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I'll, I'll we'll talk someday. I'm like, how, how I'm at 98. I'm like, we got to keep going. <laughs> I just got one last question for you. I got to know, did you win your last game? You know, we tied and tied. I'm, I'm pissed because I was kicking. <laughs> I missed three penalty kicks. I made about five kicks, but I missed three because I, my mind wasn't in it. And people were making noise in the background as excuses, you know, and I was so pissed. But the last kick, I thought we were up. Last kick, I had this like 30-meter kick from the, from the side. And it, it not, not an easy kick, but 
you know, not horrible. And I'm like, okay, just make this kick. It was at an angle. I kick right through. Perfect. I asked the ref afterwards and it was a friendly match, you know, no, you know, no stake on the line here. And he's, I said, what was the score? He's, you tied it at the, at the last kick at 27. I'm like, and I went off and somebody said, my wife said, oh, you missed a kick. I was pissed. I couldn't sleep that night because I missed a couple. I should have won the game and it meant nothing, but I'm still in this competitive mode. I'm like, damn it. When are, when so I got to go out and practice more. <laughs> but then I, I'm like, that's okay, man. You made five kicks. You almost scored. You did this. Just shut up. And I couldn't get it out of my mind just because of the competitiveness. I'm like, ah, that's that's way like you know, you know, we're going to work on it. I can see you all off season. You're just doing kicks. Just I'll doing be, kicks. I was kicking in my backyard. <laughs> so awesome, Chris. Thanks. And have a wonderful night, man. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder We will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.